And so for someone to say that, you know, anything past 50, I don't want to live, then I get to tell them, hey, you might want to reconsider because, you know, look at what we're doing. In other words, be fully engaged and have a plan in the season that you're in and then redefine it when you need to. That's that's what qual longevity uh, is made of. Be engaged, have a plan, live it out. You've been listening to the words of Marilyn Olson, who is the executive director of Villages Oklahoma City. Hi, I'm Michael C. Patterson, co-founder and CEO of MindRamp Consulting, and your host for the MindRamp podcasts. In this episode, I feature parts of a recent discussion I had with Marilyn about the village movement in general and Villages OKC in particular. My colleague, Roger Anjanson, and I have done consulting work for Marilyn and have been working with her to develop a multi-year brain health program. How did you first come up with the idea of doing a village in Oklahoma City? What was the first spark? I was helping at my church. I was helping the pastor to senior adults because I had some experience having opened some retirement communities and worked in hospitals and home care and hospice and so forth. So I had a little bit of exposure and knew some of the players around here. Um, once I got into it, I realized I didn't know nearly what I thought, as much <laughs> as I thought. Uh, and so uh, the pastor that I was working with, uh, Lewis, said, we need to reach out to others so this isn't all in us because we're just like Lucy and Ethel in the chocolate factory where we can't keep up with the the, the increasing uh, demand. Which one do you see yourself they, as? They both got to eat chocolate, so I don't really care. So, <laughs> And so I did put together, reached out far beyond our own congregation because uh, we didn't have one of everything in that. So we put together a group of attorney, realtor, social worker, marketer, uh, retirement community, and so forth. One of them, uh, Danny Eisen, who is part of a CCRC, a continuing care retirement community called Concordia, had already planned to attend a national conference because he had been reading this gerontology material and so forth and knew about villages. He was going already to investigate at a national convention. We agreed to meet again after he completed that and he would report back. And so following that, we said, we, and we need a methodology. This seemed like a good one to follow. And that's when we pursued that. Your, your vision was to be sort of a, a connector within Oklahoma City of all aging services? We did not intend to be anything other than the one-stop shop resource that people would know first for the congregation, but then it began to expand. And so we had two or three other churches involved and others as you know, attorneys, they all had the same issues. So our goal was to be a resource, yes. Can you explain just what a village is for people who have never heard about villages before? Certainly. Villages OKC is much like villages all across the nation or even small villages everywhere, which is neighbors helping neighbors. Uh, Our particular version of this group is in greater Oklahoma City, virtual neighbors that uh, for the most part live in our own homes, are willing to help each other, but are really interested in continuing to learn and to plan well. So we say we're virtual neighbors desiring to come together to learn, plan, and serve. Because we know that with serving, it keeps us from looking at ourselves all the time. And um, things don't hurt as badly if you're, if you're focusing on someone else. 
Beacon Hill, which I think was the first village in, in Boston, the way I think of it was it was very much a neighborhood and people in the neighborhood who didn't want to lose their homes, but were getting to the point where they they were feeling like they maybe couldn't quite you know, make it on their own. And neighbors started helping each other out. You've kind of expanded that for VOKC, though, haven't you? Right. And you're right. Uh, And most of the uh, villages that are part of the Village to Village Network are that model, which is a small area, uh, close proximity and helping each other. And that original Beacon Hill also listed those they trusted beyond themselves in order to prepare for the future. And they developed a 501C, which we followed that model. The only reason that we've done differently is this is because here in Oklahoma, we have the privilege of seeing uh, marketing firsthand on both coasts. So there's 20 years of history on the East Coast and West Coast, and we can see and learn from what they've done. And so what that means is California, for example, has 62 villages, all started independently, all have their own 501C, all have their own little groups, all have their own way of doing things. And now they're trying to get together and it's difficult. And um, they are doing that because they have more visibility, more power, uh, more um, clout with the government, with cities, with whatever. So we decided, since we're starting here and we saw that, that we would start with the big picture in mind, one name in mind, Villages OKC, and we would encompass all of these huge area that we have, uh, which basically encompasses 2,500 square miles, but we connect people so that the the person you connect with either is like-minded or is close to you or both. Tell me more about the GIFT program. That's one of the big signature programs that you've developed. And what does GIFT stand for? GIF is an, GIFT is an acronym for Gathering Information for Transitions. And the concept came out of sheer need, as most things get created. So basically, I was a desperate woman. What that means is I was working and responsible for an aunt who lived 100 miles north, who had no children, had asked me to be her power of attorney, lived alone, but obviously was aging, and she wanted someone to know what she had you know, wanted and so forth. And um, since I was on the road a lot with my job, the one day a week when I drove the 100 miles, two hours, to be with her, to fill her pill minder, to check on her, make sure that you know things were happening appropriately, I needed to have resources at my fingertips. I couldn't go back you know, and find it at another time. So I asked my daughter, who is much more organized than I am, to put together a notebook, and she's the queen of notebooks, so a binder. Mm-hmm. So she put a three-ring binder together that had the things that I handed to her and made copies of them. And they started with the things legally. Uh, so in, in my Aunt Jessie's case, it was, you know, the power of attorney, and then it was a copy of the driver's license. And so I am an activator, so I can get things, but I can't always find them the second time. And that's where my daughter came in. So the gift notebook is a notebook of all those things that you would want someone else to have at their fingertips if you can't speak for yourself. So it's not necessarily death. It certainly isn't the estate plan. You need a state plan separate from that, but it's mm-hmm. kind of a checklist and a place to find them. So um, medical and financial power of attorney or whatever is involved. In our case, we've included notes about pets. We've found that uh, people recover from whatever more quickly if they're at peace and are not worried about their pet getting the right medication or the right veterinarian or the right food or whatever. So anything that would take away worry, even 
even knowing daily routines like that I like my coffee black and I like it really hot. And if somebody tries to give me, you know, cold coffee with cream, I just, you know, so it make, would make me anxious and not as responsive with my rehabilitation or whatever is going on. So the idea is to convey those personal things that you would know after living with someone, but uh, to put those in writing. And uh, the other thing is, because we do it in classes of 12, it is an opportunity to think about things that otherwise maybe have not really addressed uh, or delayed thinking about. And so uh, it gives great peace of mind when you know, I've done all I can do. And we continue to learn even from those around the table because they're examples of themselves or their neighbor or their mother or whatever always add to the conversation. So Mm -hmm. we really focus on talking about, in fact, we have a little seal on it on the uh, cover that says, let's talk about it because the conversation is what we're missing more than anything in this society. It's, you know, tends to be too much one way. So um, that gets the conversation going so that families then can have a family meeting and have peace about and unity about what the plan is. So the notebook is a resource guide, but it's also a stimulant for conversation and exploration. Right. So in the class, there's just a facilitator. It's not really a teacher because each person does their own and they get to decide on their own. But we'll we'll bring up things that, that may have not been thought about before. You know, I, I think I have everything together, but did you know this? In our own case, uh, when my husband and I put our book together, I discovered that I, I had forgotten, I knew at one time, about an insurance policy that he had taken out, a cancer insurance policy. And so had we needed to activate that, and had I needed to, I, don't, I wouldn't have done to look for it. I wouldn't have done the name of the company, didn't know what it would cover. So I would have missed out on that. And so this uh, has an insurance section uh, because everybody files differently, uh, but this is just references. So it's under this title, it covers this. And so it prompted us a reminder to communicate. It's a communication reminder. So is this all in anticipation of a time when you will not be able to take care of yourself? But it's a transition. So in other words, let me give you an example. Two weeks ago, my special friend had to move from Oklahoma City to Tulsa, where his son was. And the sequence was that he had planned, he had worked for IBM, he was well-prepared in everything, and 12 years prior had sold their home and moved to a um, retirement area in, in preparation. And during the 12 years, didn't think it would be that long, uh, she had gone to the hospital periodically, but always come back to the apartment, and he was always able to, to care for her. August 6th, she went to the hospital, but this time uh, had to go to the rehab. And after rehab, he found out he could not care for her. And so uh, he called me and said, they tell me she has to have assisted living. Tell me the best one around here. And I said, are you really sure? I think maybe you want to get closer to your son if you're going to do this. And he, in four days, made the decision to move uh, where his son was uh, so that he would have family support for all this was going on. What he told me was that that Although they had always planned to move to Tulsa someday, they didn't think this was the time. It shocked them. Mm. And having the notebook allowed him to handle to his sons because he said, I was so emotional, I could not think straight. So it was the plan and it was in writing and they were in total agreement, but he couldn't make another decision. It's as if on your tiredest day when your spouse says, okay, I'll take you anywhere you want to go for a restaurant. And you just say, I'm too tired to think. I'm just make that decision for me. That's what this is. It's, it's, it's for transitions, any kind of transition. Right. How long does it take to put it together on average, do you think? Oh, I, it, it's a lot of work. That's one of the reasons we're doing it in groups because we encourage each other. 
the goal is to get it together in the, in the 30 days. So we meet once a week, four a week. But quite frankly, most do not have it all done in that time. And some of it's ongoing. Obviously, it changes right. and so forth. So, right. But you have a good start. And it feels good to have at least addressed some of the things. Several have used the notebook to have a family meeting. It was a, a difficult subject, but, you know, that lady said we had to, or the gift notebook made me. Right, so it, right. it activates that discussion. Uh, we had a member who another member could not reach. And after uh, several days, actually, uh, went by the house, saw her lying in the floor. And obviously she was in great physical distress. Mm. So called IMSA and all that. But because of the notebook, she's not a relative. So she couldn't speak for her, but the notebook had everything in it. So IMSA could act appropriately, call the appropriate numbers and so forth. So it's just readily accessible information that helps facilitate in a time of transition. And I mean, since then, she's gotten well and gone to Wisconsin or someplace and, you know, visited. So, I mean, it wasn't, it's not a death thing. It's just a, a moment in time where you need someone else to take over the brain. I had a friend who is had a what I considered a very dangerous life. He was a ski patroller and he flew planes up in Alaska to help people spot uh, salmon runs. I think I said to him, you know, I don't think I would be that comfortable with this risky life that you live. And he says, it's, you know, it's not that risky because I really plan out everything that I'm going to do. Um, and it strikes me that that's part of what you're talking about is, is it's a perfect analogy. When you know what's coming, you're not as frightened. The other big program that you're working on is on the brain health, where you're working with us. As I understand it, you first got the bug about this at the San Diego Village to Village conference. You didn't hear our presentation, but Melon Stark heard it. What was it that you heard in her description of, of what we were talking about that, that got you excited? The members we met with prior to going to that conference had directed us to look for things related to their worry about Alzheimer's, getting Alzheimer's. So we were thinking brain things and prevention and all that. Um, so when Marilyn came out of your presentation, her enthusiasm sparked our desire to you know, connect with that. So this might be an answer. And I think the difference that we saw was that it was positive and it was not heavily academic, but it was scientifically based. And then thirdly, it was something I can do myself starting at whatever age I am to make it better. And I get to choose what that is at what speed I want. So it was a methodology and tools in a positive, fun, engaging way. And everything from the brain breaks to just a general approach of let's call this a playbook and not a workbook because this isn't work. This is, you know, we're just we're just playing with it and we're going to take our brains out and play with it. So um, <laughs> all of that was enticing. If you could have whatever you wanted to have in terms of brain health for VOKC and Oklahoma City, what would that look like? It would be a large number of, of village members and even others that are hearing about it that are uh, when they uh, hear about the classes or about villages, that it's always that same positive, upbeat, growing, learning. Uh, you can do this, start with what you have, approach that then honestly encourages every age. And of course, as I mm. said earlier, then that is a model for the younger ones to follow because they also are concerned. The goal is to follow the recommendation of Dr. Marion Diamond, which you 
referred to us. And her emphasis was, of course, you can keep your brain going um, and stimulate it better if you tend to diet and exercise, challenge, newness, and love, which is basically reduce stress. And so we've been working on doing new things and challenging things. We've been talking about diet to somewhat. Um, so the exercise part, people go to the gym, walk, whatever. Pickleball was another way to address that uh, in a fun and kind of team way. And hula hoop was yet another. So we've started a he shed for men just because they don't always enjoy the same things that women come up with. And so what they do is they fix things uh, and have coffee and conversation. And some don't do anything. Some just have coffee and some just have, you know, conversations. But uh, those who don't talk a lot can can be doing. So they're gluing chairs, they're fixing rototillers, they're mm. repairing clocks for the neighborhood, for other members, you know, bikes for kids, all that kind of thing. Cool. And one lady reported that it was really helping to retard the advance of her husband's decline, memory decline, just because he looked forward to this. And, you know, so uh, it's engagement in another way. And an example of that is recently, one of the members said, you know, there's some folks we haven't heard of because they don't get on Zoom or whatever. And we've called and we've done this, and whatever. But we'd just like to see them. And they, I think they'd like to see us. So got a sponsor, bought some single mums, a mum plant, uh, put it in a cute bag with a little pick and a little uh, tag that said a hug for your heart and organized a, a bunch of other members who did, made deliveries. And you should hear the stories of these porch conversations where they called ahead, came out on the porch, they visited in the driveway, everybody was comfortable, however they determined that. It took maybe five minutes, but the, the energy created, not for the recipient, but for the deliverer, was unbelievable. You embraced our word qualongevity for VOKC. What does qualongevity mean to you? Well, of course, uh, as you know, after coining it, it's a shortened version of quality of life and longevity of life. And that's what I saw in my mother. So that's what it means to me. She lived to almost 100, 400, three and a half. And she was who she was until her last day, last hour physically began to decline, but she was still who she was. She was in command of her day, always had a purpose and lived that out. And so she took care of things systematically every day, just like she did on the last day. So that's what it means to me is living with quality. And I get to decide what quality is. As Atul Gwande pointed out, for some, it's eating chocolate and watching TV and keep me alive, doc, because that's all I'm interested in. For another, that's not living at all. And so I get to decide what's quality for me, not someone else. And so for someone to say that, you know, anything past 50, I don't want to live, then I get to tell them, hey, you might want to reconsider because, you know, look at what we're doing. And, you know, we have a book that we follow. It's called The Joy-Filled Life, uh, a local, very successful woman who talks about that she said at 80, this is my best decade yet because I've got these plans. I'm busier than ever. I love what I'm doing. I'm giving and whatever. No, she's not working in the corporate world like she was, but she's doing other things. And uh, the interesting thing is that she said, this is my best decade yet at age 80. But it's also that she said, but I said that in my 70s and I said it in my 60s and I said it in my 50s. In other words, be fully engaged and have a plan in the season that you're in and then redefine it when you need to. That's that's what longevity uh, is made of. Thanks for listening. Again, we were listening to Words of Wisdom from Marilyn Olson, Executive Director of Villages, Oklahoma City. 
As I mentioned in the beginning, MindRamp has worked with Villages Oklahoma City for the past couple of years to help Marilyn develop and brand her village around the idea of qualongevity, promoting longevity and quality of life. We are developing a robust brain health program for VOKC that provides members with educational programs about how to prevent cognitive decline and dementia, along with active workshops in which members can develop their own individualized brain health action plans. You can learn more about VOKC at their website at villagesokc.org and learn more about MindRamp at mindramp.org, M-I-N-D-R-A-M-P dot O-R-G. Live long and live well. <laughs>